leading us in worship this morning. We are almost done with the book of Acts, but we're going to take a break for the next few weeks while we kick off the year. And so I'd love for you to open up to the book of Ecclesiastes right now. The book of Ecclesiastes, it's kind of like right in the middle of the Bible. And I was invited to speak at my daughter's graduation last year, her high school graduation. And I took all that we learned in the book of Ecclesiastes and turned it into one summary sermon. And I thought, man... I've got to preach this at our church one day because we spent a lot of time in the book of Ecclesiastes and it's so easy to forget it all. And I felt like on New Year's Eve, it's the perfect time to talk about all that Solomon taught us about where to find joy in life. So the sermon today is called How to Find Joy That Lasts. And we're going to cover the main topics of the entire book of Ecclesiastes. This is the final stop on our way to 2024. I want Solomon to put life in perspective for us. I want Solomon, one of the greatest men, kings to ever live, pack our bags full of wisdom for another trip around the sun. So we're going to summarize what he shared with us in the book of Ecclesiastes. The biggest thing I want you to hear me say this morning is this. Nothing on earth can satisfy your soul without Jesus. Nothing on Amazon, nothing on Netflix, nothing on Spotify, nothing on Hulu, nothing at the mall, nothing in the whole world can satisfy your soul without Jesus Christ. Imagine if God appeared to you tonight and said, anything, ask me for anything, and it's yours. What would you say? That happened to Solomon. A thousand BC, God appeared to him and said, anything, anything, ask, and it's yours. This is, of course, the son of great King David who killed Goliath. Big shoes to fill, big act to follow. He asked for wisdom, and God said, you have asked for what is good. And God promised to make him one of the greatest people in all of history. Therefore, Solomon had it all. And later in life, as I believe the book of Ecclesiastes was written, Solomon reflects, the man who had all the money, power, women, a thousand wives and concubines, wine, palaces, gardens, gold, exotic pets, he had it all. In the book of Ecclesiastes, he says this in chapter 2, verse 9. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. Then I considered all that my hands had done. Behold, all was vanity and a striving after the wind. There was nothing to be gained under the sun. Solomon started life with God, but then he wandered off and tried to find joy in empty things. Solomon learned that only from the hand of God can we find a lasting source of joy on earth. In 2.24, he said this, There's nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? We're going to look at five dead ends Solomon found today, and he's going to warn us not to try them. Here's a picture of a bridge that's out. Solomon is going to give us five of these. Check that out. That bridge is out! If you try and drive over it, disaster will overtake you. And Solomon is going to tell you five of those things. And if you foolishly 
pedal to the metal and think these things are going to give you joy next year, you will end up going over the edge and plunge yourself into despair. Let's pray and then we'll learn of these five dead ends and a true lasting source of joy. Jesus, fill us with wisdom through Solomon. Fill us with wisdom through these truths in Ecclesiastes and remind us what truly makes life joyful. We want joy all year long, no matter what happens. Help us to find that and give us wisdom, O Lord, this morning in your name. Amen. Okay, I hope you're taking notes. Number one, Solomon tried wisdom and knowledge. You can jot that down. This sermon is going to be moving, so I hope you're keeping up. He tried wisdom and knowledge. Chapter 1, verse 12. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It's an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I've seen everything that is done under the sun. Behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. Do you ever feel that way? One more load of laundry. One more walking the dog. One more helping the kids with homework. One more, it's, I'm chasing the wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight. What is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I've acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom, to know madness and folly. I perceived that this also was but a striving after the wind. Listen. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. He tried wisdom and knowledge. He tried being bright, brilliant, the smartest, most informed, legendary in his intellect. He relied on his own intellect, planning, and insight. Yet his observation is profound. The more you know, the more you're aware of the brokenness of life and your own limitation to understand and control things. Do you lean on your own wisdom? Do you lean on your own understanding? Is this what gives you a sense of control and security and maybe even a bit of pride in your life? Do you try wisdom and knowledge? Jot this down. Get knowledge, but don't trust knowledge. The Bible says, get it, get it, get knowledge. Don't be an ignorant fool. Get it, but don't trust it. Because you simply can't know enough to trust your own understanding. So I've shared this before. I went to Oxford before for a two-day conference. Here's a picture of Oxford. If you've ever been there, you know you are among some of the greatest minds, not only of our day, but of all history. You feel the whole time you're there like you just shouldn't be talking because you're going to say something dumb and people are going to realize you don't belong there, right? So Oxford is a very humbling place to be. I took a city tour. I learned the entire city is built on a giant underground library. They have 12 million books under the city. It takes little trolleys to get out to the books because the city is built on the sum total of human learning. Every book ever published in England is under the city of Oxford. Do you know it would take the keenest reader 600 lifetimes to read everything that's in that city? Did you hear what I just said? The keenest reader, it would take 600 lifetimes to read everything that can be read. Do you know that you just can't know all that can be known? 
You can't have all the knowledge you need to make the best possible decisions. It's impossible. I also like what Elsa Maxwell said. Nothing spoils a good party like a genius. You want to know it all? You want to know more than people around you? Does that give you a sense of identity and security? Get knowledge, but don't trust knowledge. There's more to life than jeopardy. Knowledge actually should show you your smallness. Knowledge puffs up without love for God and love for others. Knowledge should show you God's greatness, not your own. Write this down. Find joy in knowing Jesus better. That's where your joy is going to come from. That's where your security is going to come from. Wanting to know Jesus better. Solomon was the wisest man alive. And do you know what Jesus said of himself? Jesus said, one greater than Solomon is here. If you like to be smart, well-read, informed, and you had a day with Solomon, you'd have a hard time not falling down before him because he's the wisest man who ever lived. You'd envy him. Only I knew everything he knew about plants and people and life and finances. And Jesus said, one greater than Solomon is here. When you look at Jesus, do you see everything you need to know? Paul said, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Paul said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Do you see that as the wisdom of God? Do you trust your own knowledge, rely on your research, feel secure because you're informed, and chart your own course based on your best wisdom? Lean not on your own understanding, the Bible says. Have you humbly bowed before the reality that Jesus knows infinitely more than you? And that's a good thing. If you don't know Jesus, you know nothing eternal. Do you know him? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth. Do you know truth is a person? Is your greatest aspiration to know him better? And is that where your identity and comfort and security comes from? Or are you leaning on your own understanding? Knowing Jesus is the supreme joy of this life and the next life. So get knowledge, but don't trust knowledge. Find joy in knowing Jesus better, and that joy will last you all year long and will not disappoint you. Solomon figured this out quickly, so he moved on from knowledge, and he tried something else. Number one, he tried wisdom and knowledge. Instead of the making of books, there's no end. Number two, write this down, he tried pleasure and comfort. Pleasure and comfort. The party life, the lazy life. Pleasure and comfort. Maybe this is your go-to. More adventure, yes, to the thrills. Or more leisure, yes, to the chills. Ecclesiastes 2, verse 1. I said in my heart, come now. I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad and of pleasure. What use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, how to lay hold of folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. Look at verse 10. 
Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. For my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hand had done, the toil that I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun." He tried pleasure, he tried comfort, he tried the party life, he tried the lazy life. It didn't fill him, it emptied him. Maybe you're more of a thrill seeker. I love Six Flags. How many of you went to Six Flags this last year? You go to Six Flags? I love the Goliath. I love the Eagle, even though it's probably going to fall over one day. I love the, I love them all. I love the thrilling rides. Maybe you want your life to be Goliath, the ultimate thrill ride. Or maybe you're more of a chill seeker. You want your life to be more like the whizzer. Where you don't go upside down once or twice, but zero times. You want the easy ride. You want the swings. Or maybe the scenic railway. Just keep it light. I don't know if you're a thrill seeker. I don't know if you're a chill seeker. Without Christ, they will empty you. Write this down. Enjoy pleasure and comfort, but don't trust them. Enjoy pleasure and comfort, but don't trust them. Solomon denied himself no pleasure. Parties, women. He imported exotic animals. He built palaces and gardens. He could relax and enjoy royal leisure whenever he wanted. He had servants to wait on his every need. Now look, some will come along and get this wrong. And they'll say, that's right. No! Life is serious business. You shouldn't have any fun at all. Get to work. No, no, no. That's not what the Bible says, thankfully. Enjoy life. God made an awesome world. In his reflective moments in Ecclesiastes, Solomon actually envied the man who had one wife and a good meal and a good job and raised his children. Solomon envied that guy who just enjoyed life, the simple life. God made an awesome world. See the sights, build relationships, try new things. Pleasure's good with the Lord. And relax. Find your rhythms of rest and renewal. Chill out, sit back after you've worked a hard week and just take it easy for a while. But you won't find lasting joy in the excess of pleasure or comfort. If you find yourself chasing and needing and craving and consuming and demanding more and more and more and more of the thrills, you're on the wrong path. Or just more comfort, less responsibility. I need to say no more. I need more me time. I, and you're consumed with that. It will shrink your capacity to nothing and make you miserable. Too much pleasure deadens our desire and leaves us empty. It's called the law of diminishing return. The more hype you have in your life, the more you'll need next time to feel stimulated. It'll eventually run out. Same thing is true with comfort. Prioritizing too much comfort steals the joy that comes from serving others and serving a purpose and working hard. Solomon has strong words in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes for the sluggard who lets the roof leak. The lazy life is not the joyful life. 
So trying to isolate and maximize pleasure or comfort, thrills or chills, will backfire and leave you miserable. If this is your temptation, you're likely trying to avoid painful situations and relationships by running away. Solomon warned that life is often unpleasant and unpredictable, and God will allow and even ordain seasons of suffering And you'll discover that God has special joy for you during those hard seasons. But if you run right to the comfort and right to the joy and say, no pain allowed, you will miss out on a lot of the true joy found in life. So enjoy pleasure and comfort, but don't trust them. Write this down. Trust the joy of the Lord in pleasure and pain. Trust the joy of the Lord in pleasure and pain. You don't need more parties. You don't need more PJs. Whatever comes, you need Jesus. In Psalm 37, 4, David, Solomon's dad, said, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You need to embrace the routines of life without needing the next high. You need to embrace the hard moments of life without running into solitude Embrace dark, hard trials when God robs you of your comfort. And he will bring some of your most powerful stories. Remember, Jesus never said, take up your crossword puzzle and follow me. What did he say? Take up your cross. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. He has overcome the world. So Solomon learned, don't trust pleasure, don't trust comfort, don't run from hardship, don't maximize and isolate thrills and chills, thinking then my life will get better. Trust the joy of the Lord in the hard times and in the great times. Jesus will be better than your best days, and he will be with you on your worst days. That's where the joy of life comes from, and that joy will last forever. Solomon learned, number one, wisdom and knowledge. Get it, but don't trust it. Find joy in knowing Jesus better. Two, he tried pleasure and comfort, the party life, the lazy life. That didn't work. Enjoy pleasure and comfort, but don't trust them. Trust the joy of the Lord in pleasure and pain. Number three, write this down. He tried money and possessions. That's what came next. If I just had it all, I'd be happier. He tried money and possessions. He tried getting as much more than anyone who's ever lived. Chapter 2, verse 8 reviews and says this, I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, of many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. Solomon was loaded In the Chronicles and the Kings, it lists his gold allotments. He sent ships out, discovered mines, gold. It it gives you the weight of everything. And while it's never exact to try and figure out exactly how much he was making each year, um, Solomon, today the wealthiest people on earth have a net worth of about 200 billion. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being a 200 billion dollar? Hmm. Many estimate King Solomon was a trillionaire. He had more money than anybody today. If you calculate the gold that was coming in, 
People today, the richest people today, would see his portfolio and envy him. If he was alive today, he'd be on the cover of Fortune every week. It's insane how much money he had. So we should listen when he talks about what money does. Write this down. Earn, save, spend, and give, but don't trust riches. Earn, save, spend, and give, but don't trust riches. This is all a summary of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Earn it, work hard, save it, don't spend it all. Spend it, enjoy some of it, and give, be charitable. Those are all the principles of healthy stewardship, but don't trust riches or stuff or your job or your skills. Make it, give it, work hard, provide for your family and friends and meet, but don't trust it because it can't satisfy you and it can't secure you. Only Jesus can do that. In Ecclesiastes 5.10, Solomon said, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money. Listen, I know you don't agree with this, but if tomorrow morning you woke up with a trillion dollars in the bank and you love money, you would still want more. Do you trust Solomon? Because that's what he's telling us. Maurice Sendak, who wrote the children's book Where the Wild Things Are and Got Rich, said this, there must be more to life than having everything. There must be more to life than having everything. Didn't satisfy Earn, save, spend, and give, but don't trust riches. Don't love money. Jot this down. Trust God to provide joy in plenty or in want. Trust God to provide joy in plenty or in want. There's an old Puritan prayer that says this. All the good things in life are less than nothing when compared with Christ's love. All the treasures of a million worlds could not make me richer for his unsearchable riches are already mine in Christ. I love that heart. All the treasures of a million worlds could not make me richer, for the unsearchable riches are mine in Christ. Trust God to provide joy in plenty or in want. In Ecclesiastes 5, 19 to 20, Solomon says, God gives wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them. This is the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. Did you hear that? God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. So Solomon tried wisdom and knowledge. No. He tried pleasure and comfort. No. He tried money and possessions. Still, no, no. No, where can I find lasting joy? Number four, he didn't give up. Write this down. He tried building a legacy of achievement. A legacy of achievement. His name would be great. Again, in chapter 2, verse 4, I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. He's like recreating Eden here. 
I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees, bought male and female slaves, had slaves who were born in my house. I also had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. This is his government. This is his family. This is his possessions. These are his palaces. Immense. Immense. He tried building a legacy of achievement. Hey, strive to reach your full potential in life, but don't trust your legacy. Don't trust your achievements. Trust the Lord. We idolize the elites, don't we? They do it. How do they do it? They're great. We wish we were like them. Here's a picture of three elites in our day. You've got Elon Musk, and you've got Katy Perry, and you've got Taylor Swift. Elon Musk is on top of the world. He is, of course, the richest man alive. Founder of PayPal, SpaceX, Tesla, and a company that developed AI. What's it like to be him? He once said in an interview that going into a startup business is like chewing glass while staring into the abyss. Sound appealing? Oh my. A few months ago, he was asked if he was happy. Are you happy? And he said, I suppose I'm medium happy. So get to the top and you're halfway there. Some things never change. What Solomon says is true. The things of this life will never satisfy your soul without Jesus. I guess the guy who's on top of the world is still only halfway there. Do you know Solomon also was into the arts? He wrote a thousand songs. Solomon was a recording artist. 1 Kings 4 says that. We're so obsessed with celebrities, especially people who write music. Taylor Swift is on top of the world right now when it comes to the music business. You know what's funny? Back in like 2016, her label dropped her new song on Spotify. And do you know that they accidentally posted the wrong file? They posted seven seconds of pure static. And it shot to the number one on the charts. <laughs> Seven seconds of static was the number one recording song in all the nation. Until people figured out there was a mistake. Anything she puts out, what is it? Number one on the charts. Even if it's seven seconds of static. We love celebrities. Katy Perry, who's a pastor's kid, walked away from the Christian life. In 2019, she posted on Instagram, sold 100 million digital singles, still insecure. Does it satisfy the soul when you become a big name? No, it does not. Jot this down. Strive to have a good name with integrity. That's affirmed in scripture. Strive to have a good name with integrity. Proverbs 22.1, a good name is better than great riches. Ecclesiastes 7, 1, better than sweet perfume. The man of integrity walks securely, Proverbs 10, 9. Strive to have a good name with integrity. It's good to have godly ambition, to desire to make much of Christ. Paul modeled great ambition in wanting to bring the gospel to the ends of his own world. Work hard, but understand you will face failure and rejection in this life. And understand the way of the master, the way of Christ, the way of true, lasting, eternal impact is often in obscurity. You won't have a stadium cheering you on. And you don't need that. And anyone who lives for Christ will be persecuted by the world, not loved by the world. So write this down. Find the joy of Christ in honor and dishonor. 
through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, Paul said. Find the joy of Christ in honor and dishonor. Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. All that is new and hip and advanced today will soon be forgotten. Don't trust your image or how people see you or if people admire you or respect you. Greatness, image, achievement on earth won't satisfy and won't last. Remember, the whole world comes from and runs on and races towards the glory of Christ. So when your life is built on that, then the greatness that you display will last forever. And your joy will be with you in the highs and the lows. He tried building a legacy of achievement. So, so far, the dead ends are wisdom and knowledge, no. Pleasure and comfort, no. Money and possessions, no. Have them, but don't trust them. Legacy and achievement didn't work. Finally, number five, he tried virtue and good works. He's going to leave a mark. He's going to help people in need. He's going to be a humanitarian. He's going to change society. He's going to confront evils out there on the street. He tried virtue and good works. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. Chapter 4, verse 1. Again, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun. Behold, the tears of the oppressed. And they had no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors, there was power. There was no one to comfort them. And I thought the dead who are already dead, more fortunate than the living who are still alive. But better than both is he who has not yet been born and seen the evil deeds that are done under the sun. So he sees the terrible things in life. Then I saw that all toil and all skill and work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vanity and a striving after the wind. He tried virtue. He tried good works. He tried maintaining a just order and being a good king. He tried being a good person. Abdu Murray said the fastest growing religion on earth is good personism. Grab a cause. Some victims. Take up their case and tell all of those evil people out there how horrible they are. Doesn't it feel so good to be so high up there on the moral ladder? And yet Solomon realized his own sin. He said, surely there's not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Climbing up your moral mountain, assembling your exodus of people, refugees you're helping through this terrible place and looking down on those around you is not the path to lasting joy. Solomon recognized corruption, inequality, abuse of power is embedded society. He didn't have the ability to fix it. He also recognized his own propensity to ungodly actions and he wouldn't condescend on other people. Jot this down, leave the world better than you found it. Absolutely. Yes. Leave the world better than you found it. There are many blessings attached to being a just, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God, loosen the bonds of, yes, yes, all those things are praised. See the injustice and the ungodliness in the world, but see that you are powerless to fix it all. Strive to leave the world a better place, but don't exalt yourself to a place of moral prominence or you'll end up creating more problems than you solve. Write this down. Find lasting joy in the righteousness of Christ. Find lasting joy in the righteousness of Christ. Your righteousness will get the world nowhere. Only his righteousness will get the world to heaven. 
at your best and at your worst, and at their best and at their worst, Jesus loves you and Jesus loves them. Trust that. You can't create your own Zion. Remember, you're not going to heaven because you're a good person. You're not going to heaven because you're making the world a better place. You're going to heaven because Jesus is perfect. And he gave his grade to you. Promote virtue, justice, fairness, but don't rely on them. And don't put yourself in a position where it all relies on you. He tried virtue. He tried good works. And in the end, he realized without God, he couldn't fix anything, even himself. So Solomon tried all these things and found that without God, they're all dead ends. He felt like he was chasing the wind. I wonder which of these is your greatest temptation. Where are you going to go wrong next year? Chasing wisdom and knowledge without Christ or more pleasure and comfort, less work, responsibility, and obligation? Running after more money and possessions? Trying to build a name, a legacy, or trying to chase virtue and good works to transform society in your own strength? Where, where, where are you tempted to chase the wind? There's a reason why nothing on earth can satisfy your soul without God. It's because you were made for more than this world. God put eternity in your heart. In Ecclesiastes 3, 11 to 12, Solomon said this, He has made everything beautiful in its time, and he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from beginning to end. I want to close by focusing on that word eternity. What really matters in life? What counted last year? What really made a difference? What will be essential next year? How can your life impact eternity? In November of 1932 in Australia, a down-on-his-luck World War I veteran was a homeless alcoholic. Having failed at everything he could think of, he had lost all hope of making it in this life and had no chance of making a difference. Or so it seemed. His name was Arthur Stace. Arthur stumbled into a church one Sunday night looking for a cup of tea. He heard a sermon about eternity. The preacher said, eternity, eternity, where will you spend eternity? Arthur learned that only the gospel of Jesus could prepare him for the next life. Arthur Stace trusted the Lord as Savior and resolved to spend the rest of his life spreading the message that saved his soul. Eternity is coming. From that day on, Arthur woke up every day before sunrise and walked the streets of Sydney with a piece of chalk. He wrote the word eternity everywhere, over and over. On the sidewalk, behind street signs, on buildings and bell towers, people began discovering this mysterious occurrence and wondering what it meant. For over 20 years, nobody knew who was writing the word eternity. Then in 1956, they discovered the man behind the message. He became a revered treasure of the city. Nobody asked him to stop his daily discipline. People reported feeling uplifted and inspired as they were reminded to think and live with a purpose that transcends this world. Arthur lived to be 83. And during his life, he wrote that one powerful word, eternity, all over his city over 500,000 times. In the year 2000, when Sydney hosted the Olympics, they decided to honor Arthur's legacy. During a climactic moment in the opening ceremonies in Arthur's perfect copper plate cursive script, the word eternity burst into sparks and fire above the crowd for all the world to see. Check it out.
They now call him Mr. Eternity. Hey, when your life is over, will you have pointed people to eternity? Without Jesus, nothing on earth can satisfy your soul, but with Jesus, you will find eternity full of joy. Are you going to live to show others the joy of the Lord that will last you forever and the only joy they will find in this world that will last them forever? Do you want joy that lasts not only for a year, but for a lifetime and then forever? All the world around you needs the joy you have in Christ, and it can be found nowhere on earth except with Jesus Christ in your life. Hey, next year is going to be a great year if your joy is in Christ. And I don't want you to chase the wind for another day. Based on all this, let's go to the Lord in prayer and close one year and start another with the joy of the Lord as our strength. Let's pray. Jesus, what a year it's been. And I know for many, the circumstances have been hard. Lord, for many, life has gotten tougher, more expensive, more unpredictable. People are battling health issues, relationship issues, and many are saying, thank God this year is over. But what will the next year hold? Lord, I just pray that you would help us as we close out this year to find our joy solely in you. Jesus, you were with us every step of the way, and you are our good shepherd who will never leave us and never forsake us. So help us to have joy that you saw us through one more year. And Lord, 2024, who knows what will come, but if our joy is in you, nothing on earth can take it away from us. Lord, I pray for those who've been chasing the wind their whole lives. What I said today resonated with them deeply, and they maybe today discovered that their soul is not ready yet for eternity forever. Lord, they've been chasing one dead end after another, and they've come up hopeless, empty, selfish, and enslaved. I pray that right now, at the end of this year, the final hour, they would say, Jesus, give me joy that lasts forever. You can say that in your own heart. Jesus, give me joy that lasts forever. Be my Savior and Lord and forgive all of my sins. And Lord, I pray that if they receive you today, that next year would be full of eternity's joy. And may you use them to show other people what really matters on earth, which is nothing on earth. We thank you, Lord, that we get to be a small part of the biggest thing happening, the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Help us to serve you, to walk with you, worship you, witness for you next year. We love you, Lord, and thank you for your joy. 